I'm Bill Cleveland, and this is Rediscover America. She's an award-winning travel journalist and host of two engaging television programs that air on PBS stations around the U.S. Travels with Darley explores destinations around the world, while her other TV series, Equitracking, takes viewers around the globe on horseback. She's a published author, a public speaker, and a regular travel expert for a wide range of media outlets. My guest is Darley Newman, and she joins me next. Rediscover America is sponsored in part by Visit Washington, Missouri. Visit the only corncob pipe factory in the world. Enjoy unique shops and dining experiences along the Missouri River, as well as festivals year-round. Come by car, train, or bike and experience historic Washington, Missouri. Well, Darlie, I am so glad that we finally got the chance to catch up. I know we've been talking about this for a while, and I hope you're well this afternoon. Yes, thank you, Bill. I'm excited to chat with you, and we've been so many places that... uh that overlap. So that's always fun. Yeah, I know. It's always fun to follow you on whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And I I feel like, are you following me or are you running away from me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering where we're going to intersect. Yeah. I it hope could have been it, Little Rock. <laughs> it could have been, yeah. And I, I want to go through a handful of places that I know we, we've been to and kind of get your uh, your opinion. But um, the, let's start with your television show. So for folks who may not have seen Travels with Darley or your uh, other program, Equitrekking, talk talk a little bit about, let's talk with, about tra- Travels with Darley first. So it's seen on PBS stations um, and a handful of other outlets. And I know folks can download it on, on Amazon. Um, explain a little bit about what you do in each of the episodes of, of that. Show. I am traveling with locals. I think that's one of the best ways to see a place. That's what I started out doing with Equitrekking. So in every episode of Travels with Darley, I travel to a new destination and try to find kind of the hidden gems through the eyes of the local people. So whether I'm hitting a smaller museum and, and discovering it with the owner who may know things about it that no one else would know, or going to cool breweries or restaurants. I'm always having someone with me that lives in that area so they can uncover it for viewers. Because as you know, that's the best way to learn about a new location is talking to someone firsthand who's who's from that area. Yeah, and talk about that process a little bit because people... They see the finished product. Uh, you and I just meant, talked a few seconds off the air. You're, you're actually editing something right now as we speak. But, uh, you know, people see the finished product that goes out on the air, but they don't really get to see behind the scenes and all of the stuff that takes, you know, to coordinate these trips and that sort of thing. So you said you talk with locals. Um, how do you set that up? ahead of time because i mean or do you just go into a town and then just you you like oh well i'll just take my chances that we're going to meet some locals <laughs> well you know it's always pre-planned but then things come up that you didn't know were going to happen and i think that that's what makes it so good as well but i definitely do a lot of research and figure out beforehand i have i always think it's funny if you were looking at my address book i have a lot of contacts in there now and i i have notes on each person, I would say, Bill's an expert on this place, <laughs> and so-and-so's yeah. an expert on that place. B- Bill's, then, Bill's page is blank. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Bill's got a lot of America down. <laughs> but um, I would then, when I'm finally going to that destination, I mean, I may talk to you at one point, and then two years down the road, it's so funny, we just were in North Dakota, mm. and I interviewed 
someone that I actually ended up putting on camera and visiting her ranch for a segment that I had talked to in 2012 for equitracking. And I knew that she was in this part of North Dakota, and I reached out when we were headed there and ended up getting to film with her. So that's, I mean, it's a lot of, it is a lot of word of mouth, but then it's a lot of research as well. But the funny thing is, then again, on that same trip, I had a, a whole segment down to um, travel to this museum, and at the museum got invited to go to a powwow at the end of the day that wasn't on my itinerary. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that it was an authentic powwow that I couldn't pass up. So some things happen um, organically, and some things are very well planned, but that's the nature of travel, I think, and life in general. So you just have to roll with it. Yeah, and television's really interesting. People, you know, my, my background is primarily radio, and people will come up and, you know, whether it's a friend or somebody, and they'll say, oh, you know, you should be doing a TV uh, travel show. And uh, the, my first response is always, I'm way too lazy to do a TV uh, show. Uh, and I, I know how much work it is that you all put into to doing these programs. Like I said, people, they see the whether it's, you know, 30 minutes or I guess just under 30 or whatever it ends up being. Um, it, it's a lot of work and, and setting it up and doing all the editing and things like that. And But one of the things that sort of fascinates me, at least w- with you, you have a crew that goes with you to these different places. Now, I'm a crew of one and I, you know, and I'm, I'm a diva. So I can't imagine uh, <laughs> having, uh, having to uh, balance out traveling with a uh, crew. I mean, just all of the things that you have to uh, you know, set up and coordinate people where they stay and, you know, the different equipment and things like that. Talk about that process a little bit, how the actual production comes about for one of these shows. It can be sort of complicated sometimes, even just traveling. If you imagine when you take a modern trip or a modern flight and you have to deal with just the amount of luggage that you might bring for your own personal stuff, but then you kind of max that out with equipment it does, even getting from A to B, you really have to put a lot of thought into it. And we have um, basically a, a gauge at home to weigh all the bags. So we're trying to keep them <laughs> under a certain amount of weight, you know. And then the things get um, reorged, you know, the night before. And you, you, there's a whole madness and process to it, which does make it a little more complicated. But nowadays, with the way that equipment has changed, because I've been doing this for a number of years, so I've kind of seen the technology changing, which I think is, has been interesting, an inter- interesting aspect of my job. Now that uh, the technology has gotten so lean and mean, I would say, yeah. you have equipment that is lighter, that is better. That has really helped with the process. But, you know, obviously when you're filming somewhere, it is a little different because people know you're there. Right. <laughs> You have to make sure you have permission. <laughs> and I do set up people and talk to them on the phone and pre-interview them and get all of that lined up to try to make sure that I'm going to get good stories and really reveal something interesting about the destination because that's the most important thing at the end of the day is that you have a good story to tell and you've got dynamic people that are passionate about what they're sharing with you because that really brings it to life. Uh, but but and, and I may be the only person that's interested in this, so uh, I apologize to the audience if they're bored by by these questions. But the uh, but but when you're standing there and you're interviewing some local guy at a local restaurant or a museum or whatever, what 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 are what is your crew doing? You know, you're interviewing. What what are you looking out and seeing these people helping you with? Well, we're a we're a primarily we've historically been a single camera shoot, so I do have one main camera guy. I mean, I have a small crew. I'm not. Yeah running with 10 or 20 people yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of these productions there's three or four of us on a shoot and we're all multitasking doing a number of things 
But nowadays, folks, I have someone that is with me that is, you know, helping produce, take photos, take additional video. There's just, we're we're doing 360 video now, so we're setting up for that. So it's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, but it's not, we don't have a large crew. So I think that's a benefit to what we're doing because, again, you're, we're being a little more unobtrusive when when we travel, and we've kept it that way for years. We're often in natural areas and also eaten track places, and it I think it helps if you're trying to produce something and make it seem organic if it is organic. So sure. that's kind of what we hold to on our show. And did you know that you always wanted to be a journalist, and did you always know that you wanted to cover travel? Uh, maybe not since I was too young, but actually since I was pretty young I did when I was in – high school and then college, I, I said I wanted to have a travel show. And I guess it can be rare to go out and make something happen. You don't always know the route that you're going to take in life. I definitely had that as a goal. And I went into television production and I did do some radio and went into journalism and storytelling from the beginning and really worked my way around learning all facets of production. I mean, I was a contract camera person for a local TV station. I did writing, research, all manner of things to learn all the facets of production, which has really helped me in running my own production company and having my own show that I am, that I am running. Uh, knowing all of the ins and outs, I couldn't have done it without all of the different jobs that I've had along the way. And talk a little bit about the process of how you pick your destinations and the places that you go. We talk about the United States and, you know, traveling across America and road trips and things like that. Here, you cover beyond the United States and go all the way around the world. But how do you specifically pick which destinations you're going to feature? I have a long list. I mean, each, each, not just places that I want to go, which, you know, has to be a priority bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But places that I think people want to see or maybe need to see. I, we visit a lot of places that I think are less discovered, which is something that I like to do in our show, to show people something that maybe they haven't seen as much about or didn't know about before. Um, again, it has been an organic process because we are a smaller team, so a lot of it has been word of mouth. Um, but a lot of it has also been me talking and meeting to other people. For instance, we ended up going to Botswana, Africa, and that was because I was writing for Practical Horseman magazine, and the editor there had just been to Botswana and came back and said, do you know there are so many places to ride horses in Botswana, Africa? This is for my equitrucking show. And I thought, wow, that wasn't even on my radar. And she had just been and kind of scouted the whole place for me. (laughs) So that's how that trip came about. So a lot of it can be organic, but then I am also looking for areas that I that I want to cover because I'm trying to make the series geographically diverse, not just within the U.S., but within the world. So trying to hit Asia, trying to hit the Caribbean, trying to hit parts of Europe, and trying to hit a lot of the U.S. Because I think it's, there are a lot of important stories to be told in the United States, as you know, that just aren't aren't necessarily getting told as much. So. Yeah, and you mentioned equitrekking. So all about horses, riding horses, where to ride horses. I have to tell you, I just, you know, I am scared to death of horses. I don't mind being around them, you know, petting a horse. That, that doesn't but But getting on a horse, that, that is one of the most frightening things to me. And I, I don't know why, and I never really had any mishaps as a child or anything like that. I, there's just something about So I have a respect for people who can... Um, you know, number one, be brave enough to get on a horse and then can command a horse and, and feel comfortable doing it. I've had a 
lot of experience in that realm <laughs> at this point. I mean, I have ridden horses from Wyoming to Hawaii to Canada to Scotland to not all the way from one to the other, you understand. But yeah. all of those I was trying to figure out how you rode from Wyoming <laughs> to Hawaii, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Well, one of the number one questions I've been asked with equitrekking is, am I bringing my own horse to all of these destinations? Mm. Which is interesting. I always find it interesting that people ask because part of the show is that we're riding the native breeds in the area. So in Iceland, they have Icelandic horses. In Scotland, they have Highland ponies. Um, in, in the American West, we have great quarter horses. So we're, we're also looking at a destination through the different horses that are existing and have existed and have grown up in those areas. But I think it's interesting because, like you said, I either also get a reaction of people that maybe have had a bad experience where they rode a horse in a random place and they got they were galloped off into the sunset <laughs> against their will, <laughs> or people that absolutely love horses. But I think the joy of equitrekking and seeing the series is that we are showing you again different places, different horses, different different beautiful natural areas that are really easy to get to on horseback and not so easy to get to by other means. So again, showing you something different and in a fun way. So even if you don't necessarily like to ride horses, you can watch us enjoying it and see something really beautiful and new. We we talked a little bit about this at the start of our interview that you seem to be going to places that I've just been or I will go to a place that that you have just been. And it's always kind of fun to to watch our our paths not quite cross, uh, at least on social media and things like that. You were just in uh, North Dakota for the very first time, and I went to North Dakota for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, Talk about that experience a little bit because it is it's one of the... Uh, least visited states in the United States, and and that's unfortunate because it's really beautiful up there. It is. Uh, North Dakota was a place that I really wanted to go and do, I'm, and I'm that's one of the episodes I'm very excited for in this next season. We're editing now; it's coming out in this winter, so folks will be able to see it on their local PBS stations then. But we went to around Watford City, which is in western North Dakota, and picked that area because. There are a lot of different natural attractions there. If you like to mountain bike or hike, the Matahe Trail is there, which is a world-class trail through the Badlands. And it sounds like it would be maybe not accessible, but A, it's close to Watford City, and B, I'm not an expert mountain biker, and I was able to go out and enjoy it and kind of roll through the, you know, you're kind of doing some up and down, so you have to be prepared to have Mm -hmm. some level of fitness maybe, but it was beautiful, and right there, it's Theodore Roosevelt National Park, the North Unit. Um, we were out in the Dakota Prairie Grasslands, Little Missouri National Grasslands, and just really interesting stuff that we uncovered. We went to ice caves, which I have talked to mm. people in North Dakota, and they're surprised that there are ice yeah. caves there. But there's an ice caves trail, if you want to look it up, um, and you can actually hike there, and even up we, we just did this in June, and there was still ice in the caves. It's left over from the winter. So you're kind of out there hiking, getting a little warm, and you go down and <laughs> get into a cool cave. So that was kind of interesting. But lots of different uh, surprises that we uncovered in that part of North Dakota. 
I loved, and I think I told you the, the the prairie dogs. Did you happen to see them when you were there? It was um, it's unbelievable the amount of this, this these prairie dogs just popping up. Like uh, what's that old game you used to play at Showbiz Pizza where you're trying to whack a mole? You know, it's like they just pop up all over the. I thought that was really cool. And then obviously you, you're a fan of horses, just to see wild horses just meandering around here, there, and everywhere uh, within that park. I, I thought that was pretty neat. No, and where else did you go in North Dakota? Because I'm interested just because, again, North Dakota, like you said, it's not as, maybe not as visited as some other places. Yeah, well, I went to the the, the National Park, of course, and then spent a little time in, in Bismarck, in, in the capital. Um, that's about as far as I got on, on a trip. It was, I was coming from South Dakota, so I didn't have a lot of time. But but that park, um, I had always heard was beautiful and, and, and a must see. And so, yeah, I, I spent some time there and, and the, and the little town that they had. I mean, I just, I just thought the whole thing was really, really cool and a, a really neat experience. So I look, look forward to seeing your, uh, your, your show on, on North Dakota. Um, a couple of other spots that I know you have been and, and you, you, you mentioned earlier that you want to highlight places that may not get a lot of attention. And, and there's two that come to mind that I know you've been in places that I've been as well. Uh, the one is, is Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, I tell people all the time that, um, you know, I, I, I there are certain places that I put down on an itinerary when I plan these road trips. So I do, you know, seven or eight cities at a time. And, you know, I'll usually go through my list and share it with friends or whatever and say, hey, what do you think about this or whatever? And so I remember there was one time that Little Rock, I had never been to Little Rock. And uh, and I think you had just you had just gone there. And uh, one of my friends said, Ugh, I would I don't, would never go to Little Rock. And, you know, kind of did this kind of, you know, the nose in the air, just kind of she must have had some bad experience. I don't know, whatever. So immediately, this is how I operate. I said, well, I'm definitely going now. <laughs> definitely going. <laughs> definitely going. And because I always, you know, it's sort of a challenge at times. Um, but but I love it trying to find something positive everywhere that I go. And so I went to Little Rock and I absolutely loved it. And I have been back three or four times now. And the people are great and there, there's lots to do. And, you know, the food scene is fantastic. And I, so I'm curious your thoughts on, on Little Rock because, uh, I, you know, I, people are always surprised when that's one of my kind of top, um, it's not really Midwestern, but central part of the United States destinations that, that I recommend to people. And people are like, really? Little Rock, Arkansas? Really? So what did you think? I'm curious. I really like Little Rock as well, and I've been back. I've been twice now to Little Rock and to Arkansas, and I've explored a lot of Arkansas. Again, another destination people may not know as much about, so when people don't know as much about a place, I think, like, you got the reaction. They, oh, why would you go there? But <laughs> your Little Rock challenge was answered, it sounds like, <laughs> and mine was too. I thought the food scene was definitely great. I don't know if you got to go uh, to Capitol Hotel. Yes, I stayed there. I stayed at Capitol Hotel. Stayed at Capitol Hotel yes. as, well, as well. And their restaurant, 111 at the Capitol, great. Their chef has won a James Beard Award. I mean, mm -hmm. that's pretty nice. <laughs> Did you get to try? There's a, Now, this may have just opened before, after you left. There's a place called At the Corner. Did you Did you get to try that? You know what I'm talking about? I did about? not try it at the corner. It's no. it's 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 a really cute. It's also like a little diner. I think they're just open for breakfast and and lunch. And but they're literally on the corner right as you get off of the highway there. And the, on on the sign it says it's you know the ampersand sign. It's at and then the corner. And, and it's just really really cool. And it's a great place for breakfast and a great place for lunch. And you're right. There are a lot of places up and down. Certainly up and down that main street there uh, in downtown in the market uh, district area. 
where, lots of great restaurants and, and, and lots to see and do. Yeah, bakeries, ice cream. We we went to Lob Lolly ice cream, which was great. No, I didn't do we that. Were, yeah, and near there is the Essie Purse Museum. Oh, I've I, been to I have, everyone. I have been to the... I, I I shouldn't admit this to anyone, but I have been to the Purse Museum and <laughs> and uh, the the folks that uh, her name is Anita, if I'm not mistaken, the gal that runs it, and and they are so nice. And when I went through last summer on a book tour because the Little Rock uh, River Market District is one of the things to see in America before you die that was in the book, and so uh, they hosted one of the book signings at the Purse Museum because I, I did mention it in the book, and you know, and I don't mind admitting that it it it's really a neat museum. You wouldn't think a guy would admit that, but but they tell me a lot of men will go reluctantly instead of just sitting in the car while the wife goes in. Uh, it, go through and you see the history of. Uh, women, um, or even America, but through purses and what would have been in the purses at, at different points in, in American history. I, I thought that was really neat. I thought it was it was one of the highlights of my trip, and I was able to interview Anita Davis and talk yes. with her. And it, I think that's a really class act museum and just a, a bit of a different take. I like places where you, in museums and destinations where, again, you're seeing something you wouldn't expect. That was a museum I wouldn't have even thought about having as a museum. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I think there's just one other one in the world, if I'm not mistaken. That was neat to see as well. There's a lot There's a lot in Little Rock and a lot in Arkansas in general. So definitely folks should add that to their travel list. Yeah. So now the other place that I'm going to mention is not... Um, it. It gets a lot of attention, but I think some folks are still sort of surprised when, when I mention it. And it's Greenville, or if you're a local in Greenville, uh, South Carolina. And I know you have been there, and I, I, I have to tell you, I, I can think of maybe three places off the top of my head that I would move to if the opportunity presented itself in a heartbeat. And Greenville, South Carolina is on that list. And when you went to Greenville, didn't you stay in Swamp Rabbit? I did, the Swamp yeah. Rabbit Inn, yes. That's where we stay as well. Bill, I don't know. We are just <laughs> on parallel planets here. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And for folks who don't know, um, it is just, well, I believe the highlight really has to be Falls Park, the, the Reedy Falls Park downtown. And it, I, correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe I'm, I'm, you know, over glorifying it, but I, it is one of the most beautiful green spaces I have ever seen in the United States. It is fantastic. It is beautiful, and we actually what I uh, what we did and what I recommend we went biking and, and rode by it on a bicycle, mm-hmm. and we did the Swamp Rabbit, Rabbit Trail. So, I mean, there there are lots of ways to see Greenville and lots of different cities, which I think is interesting. But you're right; those falls are gorgeous, and Greenville has a manageable feel. I feel like it's very walkable; it's yes. easy to get around. Yes. Um, again, a lot of neat food options, so definitely would recommend that. And I don't interview a lot of politicians, um, but I did interview the mayor of Greenville when I was there, and it was really interesting. If folks get a chance to hear the story of how that city really turned around and it all has to do with that park and there is an incredible waterfall that's right in the middle of this this falls park obviously falls park you got the waterfall but but there used to be a giant um concrete bridge that went over it and the mayor you know basically led the charge to get rid of this uh old bridge 
and to uh, bring back to life the, the the waterfall and you know clean it up it had been polluted or, or whatever and a lot of people in town even as if 20 years ago didn't even realize there was a waterfall there and, and so to look at it now um it's pretty neat through those you know see, seeing it through that lens and, and knowing that this guy um you know sort of had the vision to turn that town around and to see that it's happened i think is, is really wonderful um couple other things you mentioned food i know that's a big part of your travels I, i'm a uh, you and i have never met in person um just through telephone calls and social media and that sort of thing i i am a, a skinny uh finicky uh, eater i don't i don't i'm not very adventurous when it comes to food and i feel like that's something i miss out i'm getting better um mainly from peer pressure <laughs> but but i know you you eat um quite a bit on your trip and you you sample you don't look it but you sample a lot of uh, food and a lot of cuisine so what what is i'm curious what are maybe a couple of dishes that you've had during your travels that you were very surprised that you liked well i mean one that i would just say that's not so far from greenville that i was thinking about when we were talking about greenville that you would like i think a lot of people would like it's called Grits and Groceries. It's in mm. Belton, and it's one of these places that people make a pilgrimage to visit this restaurant. The woman who owns it, Heidi, I knew her from, she's a horse lover, so I, <laughs> I know a lot of the horse lovers out there. Um, but they do classic southern food, and I would say that is a place that you might want to have on your radar in general, that fried chicken is amazing, if you like fried chicken, and I hope you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, really good. <laughs> so I would say... Definitely add that to your list. I, I try a lot of surprising things on my travels. Um, we were just in France and filming in Brittany for an episode that's coming out this winter as well. Brittany's in the northwestern part of France. It's a destination that's maybe not on American travelers' radar as much, but folks from Paris and other parts of France love it, and it's beautiful. There are you know beaches and medieval walled cities that, and forts that you can walk to at low tide but not at mm. high tide and all it's a pretty pretty amazing destination but there were some cool food eats there they of course have the crepes that you would know about but they have something called the the guy the gallette mm. that is a little bit different it's kind of like a crepe but it's made with buckwheat um and i actually tried to make one it's not as easy as it looks <laughs> people making those things those thin crepe like things it looks like it would be rather easy but it's not so easy but this is a more of like a savory crepe so that's something that i thought was kind of unusual and interesting to try i absolutely love the food in hong kong and i always tell people it's one of my top food destinations and Again, it was surprising to me because at home, you know, I eat Cantonese and Chinese cuisine and think, oh, it's great here. Mm -hmm. But there it was very different and on another level. It was much fresher, and there were dishes that I had never, ever tried before. Seafood is a big component, and it is in maybe seafood and in, in the Chinese cuisine and Cantonese cuisine we're having in the States. But there, I mean, Hong Kong, you're right by the water. Right. <laughs> you're getting all of this fresh stuff. And some of the flavors that I've had in Hong Kong, I haven't been able to replicate yet, and I need to go back because they were just off the chart amazing as far as really tasty good stuff. So that's another kind of surprising food destination. You, you, yeah, I, you, you I, made me. You made me think of a. I mentioned I'm, I'm finicky, and I had not really. I, I don't know. I, when it comes to seafood, 
it's always been, oh boy, I don't know. Like a couple of things. And I went down to Baton Rouge one time and I interviewed a guy from the Food Network and he had a show and, and he was from Baton Rouge. And so I, I just, and this was, I was doing a, just a radio program at the time. And so I, I walked in and I was expecting to just sit down with the guy and do just a 10 minute interview. Tell me about your show, that sort of thing, whatever. And, and so I walk in and uh, the, the gentleman was sitting there and he had uh, like a couple of assistants with him. And then, you know, some people who were there just from the city. So I walk in. So now I have a table full of people and on the table, darling, were everything you could think of that was, you know, that would be native to, to Baton Rouge. So all this Cajun stuff. And I, t- I t- I'm, I'm sure the look on my face was absolutely priceless. I'm sure I was pale and about to pass out. Oh, my God, you want me to eat the. But I will tell you, I went through, I, I tried every single thing that they had on there. I didn't like all of it, but I got to tell you, I liked a lot of it. And to this day, I now eat a lot of things because I, I went ahead and, <laughs> and under peer pressure with all these people staring <laughs> at me, I tried, you know, I had the, the raw oysters and I had oh, the I, boudin and I, I had all of that stuff that I would never have tried otherwise. I just said that I'm not, I was, n- I've never been a big fan of oysters and I've just, Twice on the two recent trips, been eating lots of fresh oysters right out of the sea. In fact, I was actually out on a oyster farm <laughs> picking them out of the water wow. <laughs> in California and Morro Bay and eating them. And I liked them there, and I thought, wow, maybe I just need to have them right out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the and I, I got it. Well, those are fine, but the charbroiled ones where they put some stuff on. Like, I mean, uh, you got to admit those are those are even better. Those are good. To, they're different. I mean, different. Well, yeah, you're, that's there true. were so many ways to have oysters. Right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're grilling them. They're yeah. coloring them. There's, yeah, so that's really it's a fun part of travel. And I, I've definitely expanded my palate, and I will try things on the road that I wouldn't try if I were was just at home ordering off of a menu because, yes, you're forced to try them because locals want you to do it. Right. You don't want to offend anyone. You try it. And sometimes you're surprised that they're good. Sometimes you're surprised and they're not so good. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I had one guy at an event. I was doing a talk, and he you know, always do a Q&A thing at the end, and the guy goes, he goes, how do you stay so skinny when you eat food at all these places? And I said, sir, I said, I, I don't eat food at all these places. That's part of my problem. But um, but yeah, you got you got to be very disciplined because you're right. Everywhere you go, everyone wants you to try whatever their local favorite whatever is, or go to their new brewery, or go to their you know. And after a while, yeah, if you're not careful, you're you know you're packing on pounds. <laughs> uh, let me let me wrap up with with this. So you know, we're very fortunate that we get to cover. Uh, travel, as I always, you know, will tell people, you know, we're not out there digging ditches. You know, we're 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 having fun. Yeah, we work hard, but at the end of the day, we, we're we're pretty lucky to do what we do. Do you find? Um, and I, I'll just maybe I can set it up like this. I hear from people that cannot travel, whether they physically can't travel, um, or they just they they can't afford to travel at all, and they sort of live vicariously through the stories that. You know that I present, whether it's on radio or they're reading something online or whatever. I imagine you you hear some of those same stories as well. And do you feel like I do that? What we what we're doing, covering travel and, and presenting these dis- destinations and and sort of you know doing something kind of positive and kind of fun. Um, don't you think that sort of more than ever people need need that right now? I think people do, and people always do. I think it's. I like telling good stories. As I said, I've, I've done, I've worked on stories that are 
not as they're more serious. I've done documentaries and, and I love doing that as well. But I do like to tell a good positive story. <laughs> and and when you're traveling it it is a fun thing. And you you know, even if you're discovering history which can sometimes be hard, you know, there's a lot of history that's hard to fathom out there. But it's still I think positive because you're learning something new and then you can share that knowledge with other people and they can have that knowledge to share with others. It's like the chain reaction effect. So, and I, I love getting out there and, and seeing a place, a new town or a city or a new natural spot that again, people may not know as much about and then being able to share it with them and whether they're able to get there today or tomorrow or, or they have it in this, future or they can't get there at all but they can see it in their head because now they've seen this production or heard about it on a radio show i think that's a pretty unique and special thing and the more we can share about the world and different cultures the better i think we all are so yeah well and i and people are always surprised when i say this and they you know they look at me like i'm crazy but you know I, I having traveled across the United States and you meet people in big cities and small towns and you, you work closely with, with them and like I said you meet locals and, and, and that sort of thing and, and you know I, I still feel like 99% of the people in this country are pretty good decent folks and, and the, the news media tends to highlight all the folks who are doing all the bad and, and, and the stupid things and um, and so I, I feel like it's sort of a responsibility for those of us that, that cover travel to highlight that you know yeah yeah the on television at the end of the day when you're watching the evening news yeah it looks like the whole place is on fire but you know in reality and most people are going about their day and everything's fine and people are pretty good and and it's not just in the u.s i think all over the world i always say that the more i travel the more i think that we are all a lot alike Mm -hmm. you know there's not so much that divides us and i mean and even in our daily lives they may be look different on the outside but you know we got the same emotions for the same people in general so it's it's nice to share that through travel and and the stories that that you can tell when you go out and take the time to talk to people all right so your shows are travels with darley and then you have equitracking both of those programs can be seen through uh, pbs and i know you have i know travels with darley is on amazon is equitrack on there as well just, just travels with Darley. Uh, travels with Darley you can catch on Amazon Prime, and also okay. we have video shorts on AOL and MSN, okay. and of course our website. But travels with um, Equitracking is also on PBS, and it's actually coming to Amazon Prime this fall. Okay, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have to tell folks I don't remember the first time that you and I interacted, or even why why we started. To, I, I can't remember. Um, but I, I will tell people you have always been incredibly nice and, and, um, and, and I've always appreciated the chance to, to chat with you and the fact that, uh, you'll, you know, converse with a goofball like me. So thank you for that. And, um, and I wish you well, and we'll look forward to seeing your, your future shows. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me on. This has been fun. Remember, all roads lead to another great destination. Get out there and rediscover America for yourself. For more stories, follow us at facebook.com slash Road, or our Instagram page is USA. And of course, there are always great road trip ideas at BillOnTheRoad.com. I'm Bill Cleveland. Thanks for listening.